Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. If you're following along with us in the study guide, we're going to do the Greek word first, and then we'll get into our conversation for today's chapter. Acts chapter 8, our Greek word today is baptizo, which means baptism, or I baptize. 21 times in Acts, 77 times in the New Testament. We see it here in Acts chapter 8, verse 36. Uh, This is the Ethiopian eunuch, the outsider who the Holy Spirit encourages Philip to go meet on the road, joins him in his chariot, explains the scriptures to him from Isaiah. And after he tells them about Jesus, they uh, sort of uh, encounter on the road uh, some water. And he just says, hey, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? And baptism is a big deal in the book of Acts because uh, it's a boundary crossing ritual. It's an initiation. You go from being outside to being inside. It's not uh, synonymous with salvation, but it is a symbol of of being washed clean, uh, of dying and being rebirthed. Uh, so baptism is a big deal. We see that that, be, that goes hand in hand uh, in the book of Acts with conversion, right? A lot of t- that repentance, uh, baptism, and salvation are all kind of, you know, right on top of each other uh, when the Holy Spirit is bringing new people uh, into the fold. And uh, this is a pretty radical baptism, too, because the Ethiopian eunuch, I mean, uh, it's hard to imagine somebody more outside kind of the standard first century, you know, Jewish idea of what a follower of God looks like than the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, who's this rich outsider uh, who the book of Deuteronomy excludes from fellowship. And yet God is opening the doors of the kingdom for this guy. And he participates in baptism, which is a pretty cool scene. Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith, and today we are talking about Acts chapter 8. My guest today is a very special guest. He is, he's our leader. He is our station manager, Neil Stavum. Welcome, Neil. Hey, nice to be with you, Angela. And I think these are such great things that you're doing, just helping us understand God's word and just add a little perspective as we read. You know, we kind of, some of us have read chapters over and over probably and but just hearing somebody else reflect on it and get their insights, I think it's always valuable. I mean, that's been the privilege of being the host of this podcast yeah. is that yeah. every chapter I get to talk to somebody new. And every every time someone has seen something in the scripture, which is alive and active, that I haven't seen. And so I feel like it's just really a privilege and I get to be encouraged <laughs> in my faith every episode. So my tease for this episode will be about hurry. Okay. That hurry is Okay, a good, well let's get going. Hurry is a good yeah, hurry is a good thing when it comes to obeying. But yeah. anyway, we can get to that later. So anyway. But well, let's talk about what you I mean right at Acts 8:1, yes. you were going back to Acts, Acts 1:8. 1, 8. 8. Yeah, which is, you know, that's sort of the key verse in the book of Acts, right? Uh, you know, you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And and then we got the first seven chapters of Acts and that really wasn't happening. Mm-mm. And then, you know, as, you know, Stephen being stoned and killed and then Acts 1-8, so there was a great persecution that happened. And, and in fact, it says that, you know, everybody except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, which was the next stage. That was what you know Jesus said. It's it's Jerusalem, it's Judea, it's Samaria, it's to the ends of the earth. And in fact, later in this chapter, of course, when Philip meets the Ethiopian, and I was just looking on, looked on a map this morning, and I thought, well, Ethiopia—that's a 
That's long a long way, way away. When you're not flying no, or driving right. a I car. Mean, it's, you think about, well, you know, he's on his way to Egypt, but he's on his way to Ethiopia, and it's Ethiopia south of Sudan. You know, so and it's that would have been the ends of the earth. So I always look at, you know, Acts 1-8 and Acts 8-1 really are kind of uh, go together. And, and in, in a lot of ways, our spiritual heritage goes back to Acts 8-1 because this is where the gospel finally started uh, heading out into the Gentile world, of which we are a part. And so, you know, if we're looking at our um, heritage, our, our spiritual heritage, we can go back to Acts 8-1 and say, yeah, this is, this is one of the starting points. And what I appreciate about it is that we're seeing persecution of the believers, and God is using that. That their persecution wasn't—I mean, they, it wasn't pain for pain's sake. It was pain. It was God made yeah. purpose out of it yeah. by scattering them and and helping them then to fulfill what He was calling them to do. When I was reading that, it reminded me of a story I read from Eugene Peterson once talking about a mother bird getting her little chicks out of the nest to start flying and that you know I said there was one that just didn't want to go and so was hanging onto the branch and and the mother bird was pecking at the the talons and kind of let go enough so that the bird ended up hanging upside down and the mother <laughs> bird just you know was uh, was persistent and just kept pecking away until the bird finally let go and then discovered of course halfway to the ground that uh, it, could know, it, it could fly and I think there's there's something about you know God pushing us in some ways too that it may seem painful for a time, and you know not to to minimize persecution in any way, which of course is is amazingly profound these days as it just has increased substantially. But that you know God, like as you said, makes something good out of that uh, that bad experience, and His kingdom advances. Yeah, and the, it makes me think back to Jesus's words, and we see it. We see Paul do it. We see Peter do it. That when they're in front of, when they've been arrested, that, you know, Jesus said, don't worry when that yeah. happens because the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And so we see them, you know, standing in front of of governing bodies, giving an account of who Jesus is, giving an account of the gospel, giving an account of the history of the Jewish people. And then a lot of times pointing the finger, well, when you killed Jesus, you know, this man that you killed which I always feel a little uncomfortable because yes. that's very confrontational. Yes, it is. Um, that's but true. We see them time and again using those opportunities to present the gospel, which when you read it, it was like, oh, yeah, you're reading about this thing that happened. But if you were that person standing there, if you were the person arrested and having to give account, if you were the person being persecuted, if we were Stephen being stoned, I mean, that when we put ourselves in the place of what's happening and imagine what it was like would like to be there or you know our brothers and sisters all across the world who are literally risking their lives to follow Christ if we take a second and kind of sit in that I, I think it gives us a whole different perspective because I think because it's painful it's easier to wash over it yeah I was just thinking as you say you know this sort of confrontational approach but throughout this chapter you know we read that you know Philip who went down to Samaria and then Peter and John came and then later, of course, Philip with the Ethiopian. But uh, each time it was um, told them about the good news about Jesus. I mean, that was, you know, I know Philip was one of the, what, the seven that was selected to be dis- uh, distributing food. So he was you know, kind of one of the first deacons, I guess we'd call him. But but when when God sent them out, it was about to preach Jesus. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, running throughout this 
this uh, whole account of Acts and certainly in this chapter. Well, and everywhere they go, they're doing that. They're preaching Jesus, yeah. and we're seeing, you know, numbers added to the church yeah. everywhere they go. And I think it's the account of a man named Simon, the magician, yes. I think is so interesting. He, you know, everybody thought he was great because he was doing these magic tricks, and we see him, you know, get baptized. But then, you know, there's not the there's not the understanding there yes. with him. Yeah. He's, you know, he sees them, them do great acts with people re- laying hands and people receiving the Holy Spirit, and then he wants to buy that power. And I, I think it's what it made me think of is how it's easy to have our focus on the the acts, not yeah. the one for for whom the acts are being done, yeah. or you know, we're a vessel for God to do. I mean, it was. It, God working through these disciples. I, I think I, I thought about the parable of the the sower and the seeds when I was reading about Simon the sorcerer, right? Because there was something, you know, seed falls on rocky ground and then there's some where there's, you know, shallow ground and it springs up right away. But then there's cares and concerns of the world. And I thought, well, you know, this is a, a reminder that, you know, just because someone makes a profession of faith doesn't mean that they have, their roots go down deep right away and they have full understanding. And, you know, Simon was certainly in that category. And I, I mean, it's, I guess it's easy to maybe, you know, look at him uh, critically yet at the same time, I think all of us are probably, you know, what we don't always have our motives pure and right either. Well, and there's that big word sanctification process yeah. of taking everything that we know and having to, I mean, kind of relearn things and so he was operating in what he knew and what he knew i assume what he knew was commerce of yeah. things well i had i looked uh, that was interesting that they talked about you know peter or philip going down to samaria and even though it's up on the map i don't know but i guess it is actually maybe down but and i i actually looked at samaria and it has a long history of mixed religion. It goes back to ahab and jezebel so mm-hmm. you know the idea that there would be someone like simon the sorcerer kind of a maybe a, a a witch doctor in in a uh, you know remote village that there was somebody who was a powerful authority and you know had had uh, you know evil uh, powers in that sense and so there was a this this area of course was mixed not only mixed race but mixed religion over the years and so that just you know people taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that and so when Philip comes and then Peter and John come to clarify uh, I think that's just that's part of what disciple making is about sanctification, as you said. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting too that you know Peter and John went to the Samaritan. They came down to Samaria, and then they're going back to Jerusalem. They're preaching in all these villages, and of course, if you remember back in Luke nine, where when Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, they they sent the disciples ahead to a Samaritan village, and they didn't welcome him. And so John was saying, "Well, should we call down fire from heaven?" So I know. There's been a little transformation that's taken place in, <laughs> yeah, in, in, in John's life, uh, you know, since that time. Mm-hmm. Do we can we talk about uh, Philip uh, and the Ethiopian? Yes, we talk about that. And I think that's what people when they, I mean that that's probably the most well known account in this chapter. I think. Yeah, like uh, what kind of chariot did he have? Yeah. Like that's what people really <laughs> want to know. So I, you know what what uh, it, there was. Uh, uh, in my uh, teen years, uh, my pastor, who became a you know very dear friend, I just remember him teaching through Acts, and it was just the, the words that caught my attention. It could have been because uh, at that time I was you know running cross country, but he just picked up in the in the verse twenty nine and thirty. Philip's prompted to go. You know uh, he's on 
He goes down the road, uh, down the road to Gaza, and he meets the Ethiopian who's sitting in the chariot. He's reading, and, you know, the spirit prompts him to go. And so he says he ran up and he heard him reading. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about, uh, the pastor just talked about that, you know, we overlook words like ran. But, you know, in the providence of God, God has already, he'd already been preparing this man to hear the gospel. But, you know, had Philip walked, uh, you know, he, uh, who knows where it would have gone. I mean, would he have been reading Isaiah 53 if he had walked to get up to next mm. to, the, to his uh, So there's chariot. a sense, I mean, to your point of at the very beginning, the hurry, yeah. the urgent, there's an urgency yeah. in them. In, uh, in Psalm 119, verse 60, it says, uh, I will hasten to obey your commands. And I know David Jeremiah talks about being a, being a hurry to obey God. Uh, that, you know, when God prompts, the sooner we respond, the better. I mean, I think all of us can can reflect on that in our own experience. If I God prompted, I should have said yes right away. Mm-hmm. So I think be in, be in a hurry to obey God's commands when he prompts. I know Sarah Groves, a recording artist, talks about she wants to get her response time down. When I read just this passage, it just reminds me again, you know, Philip was responsive to the Spirit in the first place, so he went, but then, you know, it was up to him to, to run up long. He didn't just... He didn't just saunter along and, you know, he got there at just the right time because, of course, the Ethiopian is reading uh, Isaiah 53, which is perhaps the best Old Testament passage that there is to really explain who Jesus is and why he came. So it was a uh, God's timing was important, but uh, Philip had a part in that. Yeah, it says the passage says he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth, which actually that was a question I had had back when Jesus is appearing in front of Herod, that he didn't speak. He never, he never said anything. And I thought, oh, this is the answer. He was fulfilling these words from Isaiah. And it goes on to say he was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. And the Ethiopian, you know, God had already, I mean, he already, he came from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship, so he's already seeking, mm-hmm. and now he's reading uh, scripture, and he's asking questions and think. You know, that's just again a reminder of how I, it's a remind should be a reminder to all of us. I think that God's already working in behalf of uh, his. He's drawing men and women to Himself and causing them to ask questions, to pursue worshiping. You know, in some cases to travel. You know, thousands of miles. And then just asking someone, say, you know, explain this to me, and we need to be ready to give an answer, right, for the hope that we have. Well, and I think that when, as you were talking, I was thinking about the posture that we should have. You know, um, Philip was about going where God was leading him and doing what God had put before him. And you're like you were talking about with wanting to, Sarah Grove saying that she wanted to um, lessen her response time. And it makes me think of the posture of, the, the willingness, the following versus the I'm going to come and give yes. you Jesus. Yes, sure. I mean, to your point of God is already at work. God is already doing something. And so to come alongside what God is already doing versus, you know, having a savior complex ourselves yeah. of I'm going to bring this to you. No, God is already at work. How can I partner? You know, Lord, can can I partner with you here? Can You know, is there something that I can do for you here? Yeah. Or can you the, use me here? The... Uh, Andy Stanley talks about, you know, people people grow in their faith or come to faith through several steps, and one of them is pivotal circumstances, and another is providential relationships. 
And I think that uh, clearly this is an example of where, you know, God's directing. He's providentially working behind the scenes and putting the pieces together. I mean, Philip had no idea. You know, he just went in obedience. The Ethiopian didn't know Philip from anyone, but he asked the question. He's reading the the scriptures. God's already working in him. So, you know, God's providence is at work in all our lives if we're open to it. Yeah, and I don't want to skip that after the Ethiopian was baptized, that the Lord snatched Philip away. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just a... Okay, what was it like for the Ethiopian? And what was it like for Philip? I know. Because then you see him come up. He's in the north end of Azotus. Yes, right. Just yeah, on his, yeah, and, and preaching there as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, God okay. put me here, so I'm just going to preach sure. now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, that would have been... Yeah, what what did that look like? Mm-hmm. Was you know, we'd, if there was a movie, uh, right. we'd uh, we'd want us the, that that would be special effects. Yeah, I think so. we would call that. So, I wish we had time so we could dive into the baptism thing because I know you really want to get oh. into that. So, but oh, <laughs> look at the time. Oh I don't think yeah, we're, well, thank you, Neil, for coming on <laughs> <laughs> and talking about chapter eight. <laughs> I uh, yes, I uh, I don't know what to say. I'm I'm I think it's amazing that um, you know this book really represents the growth of the church in so many ways and that this especially I think just you know God's heart is for uh, for the entire world and so whatever we can be uh, joining in him joining the work that he's already doing working ahead of time it's to to his benefit and ours as well so thank you for joining us talking about Acts chapter 8 make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes and we'll see you next time for Acts chapter 9 The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com. 